Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is the Successful Habits Book Club. It's a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. And thank you so much for being with us today. Well, it has been an historic day. Amazing. A lot of things have happened today since early this morning. Whether it's that great lady, a great poet, you know, who was at the inauguration, the stars, their fashion, you know. We're going to squeeze in our little crew today into that historical day. So we're going to be continuing with our discussion with an amazing book by Dale Carnegie and that's how to win friends and influence people and I love how we have been digesting bits and bits um, each chapter of this book compared to the previous months where we had a lot of pages like 50 to 100 pages per episode right now we're taking our time and these are lessons that some are very basic however most overlooked because of its simplicity but because of Dale Carnegie we get to appreciate how this things work in real life and how we can apply them to guarantee our success so let me go ahead and share my screen here we go all right so for those of you who are tuning in for the first time today so this is the book how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie you know written over 70 years ago so once again, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. Welcome to Real Estate IQ, number one in deal finding. And welcome to the Successful Habits Book Club. Now, why join this book club? Well, it has been said that our success is a direct result of all the habits we have. The more successful habits we adopt, the more successful we become. And reading on a regular basis is one of the most impactful successful habits we can all develop. And here's a couple of wise words. A mind needs books as a sword needs a whetstone. If it is to keep its edge, by author George Martin. A great book should leave you with many experiences and slightly exhausted at the end. You get to live several lives while reading, by William Styrone. And a book is a garden, an orchard, a storehouse, a party, a company. Counselor, a multitude of counselors by Charles Baudelaire. And who are we? Well, Real Estate IQ is a technology and data company focused on creating work from home automated systems for the real estate investment community. So if you're looking for your next big deal, we might just have what you're looking for. And these are our work from home automated systems. We have the deal analysis with unlimited comps. We have deal finding, which allows you to make your own deals and search over 45,000 motivated seller leads. With, of course, we have premium that allows you to, to have skip trace emails, phone numbers, just grab your phone, get to your next big deal. And we have the customer relationship management that allows you to automate your investing business. And for those of you who would like to, you know, have an opportunity to get to know more about, about our products, please give us, you know, a comment below and we can set up a time for you for a demonstration. And our vision for this book club is to bring together a core group of highly motivated individuals and high performers to grow together. And I'm very pleased to say that we're going to be turning one year this March. So we're really looking forward to that. We've been seeing a lot of regular faces over the months and we look forward to have a big bang this March as we celebrate our second year. And our mission is to empower your journey to freedom and success. So come and join us in our passive investment program 
stay on top of passive investment opportunities in the real estate IQ community. For program benefits, networking opportunities, etc., please visit our site at realestateiq.co slash invest with us. And this is our timeline for this afternoon. We have the introduction, and later on, I'll be showing you the highlights of featured chapters. What I love about the two chapters we're having today, these are these are these are actually collections of of uh, mini stories that comes from real life, from presidents to bookkeepers to to um, you know messengers. It's it's such an amazing um, collection of experiences. So we're gonna be going and having some highlights of that, and. At 5.15, we're going to have our discussion with the panelists who walk us through the lessons of this book. And the last 10 minutes will be dedicated to online networking, interaction, and probably some Q&A. Disclaimer, all information in the presentation is intended for educational purposes only. We do not offer investment, financial, or legal advice. So here we are, Successful Habits Book Club. Our discussion leader, his expertise are in the field of residential and commercial real estate, communication, creative problem solving, deal structure, structuring and strategy. Friends, coach and speaker and real estate investor, here's Mr. Brent Mott. Our second member of the panel is called a closer the closer of deals and about you know it, this is perfect because we're going to be talking about being a good conversationalist and i think the number one skill of a closer has to be a good conversationalist <laughs> he offers complete end-to-end -end turnkey support and power team the president of briar court homes mr michael jeftias and the third member of the panel is a school teacher in austin texas also a real estate investor and he considers himself a lifelong learner learner his expertise are in the field of education and he's a life coach and strategist helping individuals reach their ultimate potential friends here's mr juan valades and let's move on to the highlights of part two six ways of making people like you we have chapter four an easy way to become a good conversationalist At a dinner party, Dale Carnegie spoke with a botanist and he found him to be the most stimulating and interesting conversationalist. An interesting conversationalist? Why? Dale Carnegie had said hardly anything at all. He couldn't have said anything if he wanted to without changing the subject, for he didn't know anything about botany. But he had done this. He had listened intently. He had listened because he was genuinely interested. The botanist felt it. Mr. Carnegie was asking about some problems with his very own indoor garden at home. They connected. Naturally, that pleased the botanist. That kind of listening is one of the highest compliments we can pay to anyone. And Dale Carnegie wrote, I told him that I had been immensely entertained and instructed, and I had. I told him I wished I had his knowledge, and I did. I told him that I should love to wander in the fields with him, and I have. I told him I must see him again, and I did. And so I had him thinking of me as a good conversationalist, when in reality, I had been merely a good listener, and I had encouraged him to talk. 
A department store in Chicago almost lost a regular customer who spent several thousands of dollars each year in that store because the sales clerk wouldn't listen. Mrs. Henrietta Douglas had purchased a coat at a special sale. After she had bought it home, she noticed that there was a tear in the lining. She came back the next day and asked the sales clerk to exchange it. The clerk refused to even listen to her complaint. All sales are final. Once you bought it, you have to keep it. Sew up the lining yourself. Mrs. Douglas was about to walk out indignantly, swearing never to return to that store ever, when she was greeted by the manager who knew her from many years of patronage. Mrs. Douglas told her what had happened. The manager listened attentively to the whole story, examined the code, and then said, Special sales are final, so we can dispose of merchandise at the end of the season. But this no-return policy does not apply to damaged goods. We will certainly repair or replace the lining, or if you prefer, give you your money back. What a difference in treatment! If that manager had not come along and listened to the customer, a long-term patron of the store could have been lost forever. During the darkest hours of civil war, Lincoln wrote to an old friend in Springfield, Illinois, asking him to come to Washington. Lincoln said he had some problems he wanted to discuss with him. The old neighbor called at the White House and Lincoln talked with him for hours about the advisability of issuing a proclamation freeing the slaves. Lincoln went over all the arguments for and against such a move, and then read letters and newspapers, newspaper articles, some denouncing him for not freeing the slaves, and others denouncing him for fear he was going to free them. After talking for hours, Lincoln shook hands with his old neighbor, said goodnight, and sent him back to Illinois without even asking for his opinion. Lincoln had done all the talking himself. That seemed to clarify his mind. He seemed to feel easier after the talk, the old friend said. Lincoln hadn't wanted advice. He wanted merely a friendly, sympathetic listener to whom he could unburden himself. That's what we all want when we are in trouble. That is frequently all the irritated customer wants and the dissatisfied employee or the hurt friend. If you aspire to be a good conversationalist, be an attentive listener. To be interesting, be interested. Ask questions that other persons will enjoy answering. Encourage them to talk about themselves and their accomplishments. Remember that people you are talking to are a hundred times more interested in themselves and their wants and problems than they are in you and your problems. A person's toothache means more to that person than a famine in another country which kills a million people. A boil in one's neck interests one more than 40 earthquakes in another continent. Think of that the next time you start a conversation. Here's part of six ways of making people like you. Chapter five, how to interest people. Everyone who was ever a guest of Theodore Roosevelt was astonished at the range and the diversity of his knowledge. Whether his visitor was a cowboy or a diplomat, Roosevelt knew what had to be, to be said. And how was it done? <clears throat> the answer was simple. Whenever Roosevelt expected a visitor, he sat up late at night before, reading up on the subject in which he knew his guest was particularly interested. 
for Roosevelt, you know, he knew, as all leaders know, that the loyal road to a person's heart is to talk about the things he or she treasures the most. Mr. Edward Chalif was active in the Boy Scout organization. He wanted the president of one of the largest corporations in America to pay the expenses of one of his Boy Scouts. Just before Edward went to see this man, he heard that the president had drawn a check for a million dollars. And that, after it was canceled, he had it framed. Mr. Chalif wrote, So the first thing I did was when I entered his office was to ask to see the check. A check for a million dollars. I told him I never knew that anybody had ever written such a check and that I wanted to tell my Boy Scouts that I had actually seen a check for a million dollars. He gladly showed it to me. I admired it, asked him to tell me about how it happened to be drawn. You notice, don't you, that Mr. Chalif didn't begin by talking about the Boy Scouts or not even the Jamboree in Europe or what it was what, what he wanted. He talked in terms of what interested the other man. And here's the result. The president said, oh, by the way, what was it you wanted to see me about? So Mr. Chalif told him about the Boy Scouts and the Jamboree. And Mr. Chalif said, to my vast surprise, he not only granted immediately what I asked for, but much more. I, I had asked him to send only one Boy Scout to Europe, but he sent five boys and myself, gave a letter of credit for $1,000 and told us to stay in Europe for seven weeks. A jamboree typically lasts for about two to three weeks. So seven weeks is actually very, very long. <laughs> he also gave letters of introduction to his branch presidents, putting them at their service. And he himself, you know, the president was in Paris to show them around town. Since then, he has given jobs to some of the boys whose parents were in want, and he is still active in their group. So that's principle five, talk in terms of the other person's interest. And those are the highlights of these chapters. Let me now turn over the floor to our expert conversationalists, Brent, Michael, and Juan. Awesome. Thank you so much, Arthur. Uh, great recap. So I, uh, I did this week's reading on audio, so I don't have as good as notes as I, as I normally have. Uh, but all of this is, is just kind of human instinct 101 uh, and, and, and interacting with people. Uh, so often, you know, uh, as real estate investors, we're dealing with people that are going through the worst thing they've ever gone through in their life. Um, we're, we're not licensed, but we're definitely therapists. And so often people just want to be heard. They want to tell you their story. They feel like they are wronged. Um, and, and they just want to unload and unburden. And, and, you know, it's, uh, it, it can be, frustrating it, it can be a scenario where it's like a, you know tell me what time it is don't tell me how to build a clock let's let's get this over with but you know it's the the more you can sit and let somebody uh talk and uh and work through their feelings the more they're going to like you they're they're going to do they're going to do business with the people that they like and when you let them talk 
talk about themselves, they're going to like you more. They're going to like the person with the most empathetic ear. Um, so just really let them talk about whatever, what, whatever they want to talk about, let them go. Um, and, and, and just be prepared and, and know that you're going to have, you know, a couple hour therapy session where you're just going to have to sit and, and let them talk. Um, Brent, and- I, I can't, I, I couldn't agree with that more. And I, I think that one of the ways that, and I'm guessing you do the same thing, that you're very successful in closing deals. I'd like to think I've been able to close a deal or two also. Um, is that people will often, and, I'm, and I guess this is more of a question for you, do newbies come to you as they do to me and ask for a script? My response is I've never closed a deal in my life on a script. And, and I think the key to success to tie this into what we've read is ask an open-ended probing question and then let that seller go on and let them lead the conversation. There's no script that can treat you on that, but that ties into every, all the points that we just talked about. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been to a house where we talk for two hours and then they go, I, I guess we should talk about the house some. Uh, I, I mean, I've, I've literally, I've literally had that. And, I, and uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that Carnegie talks about is this all has to be genuine. You have to have a genuine interest in, in the other person. So Arthur and I were, were talking before Arthur and Jeff and I were talking about, uh, before the book club got started and about, uh, how in the Philippines they have American TV and, you know, it's a, we, we, it was literally what we read in the book, except for it wasn't a, I'm trying to influence Arthur and Jeff anything. I was genuinely interested in, in their culture and in understanding and learning more. And, and we were able to, and I mean, uh, now that I'm talking about it, Jeff and Arthur are like, Brent, that jerk was just manipulating. I, I wasn't manipulating them. I, it was just that I had a genuine interest and, and you have to develop a genuine interest in people there there's a i I mean this book is so is so classic that it's almost become cliche but i mean since we're talking in cliches nobody cares what you know until they know that you care so you you have to really really develop this genuine interest in in letting people talk about themselves and and whatever is important to them. This is all about, you know, building rapport, finding that, that common ground. Um, But I think if you take it a step more than that. um, So I think that, you know, I've got a bunch of notes here. I I love this. These were actually the best couple of chapters I've read in a while from book club because, you know, I, I have so many like real life experience on stuff that I, I caught myself doing that I didn't even know I was, it just seemed to your point, kind of common. And and one of them is that you don't always want to come across as an expert, even when you know stuff, let right. other people talk, you, you, you know, just like, don't show them up. And, and, and look, there's a time and a place for that. If you're, if you're teaching a class, then you got to come across as the expert. Um, but in general conversation, um, know just enough and then let them go on and on. Well, you know, well, I, I, go ahead. 
I, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with, with both the points that y'all made. And I, you know, people, people really want to tell their story. And they want to know, is the person across the table from me willing to listen? And, and I think as, as new investors, and, and I'll speak for myself when I was a new investor, when you mentioned the script thing, it, I, I, I don't know how many hours I spent writing things down. And then when I got to the door, I fumbled my way through it so badly that it almost seemed robotic. Like they knew this guy's trying to remember something that he doesn't know what he's talking about and the door closed. And the, the moment that I, that I started to just kind of relax and just ask, like Michael's just said, a couple of open-end questions, and then just let them talk. They, people share with you things where you can start to get that information that you need. And like Brent said, at the end they say, well, maybe we should talk about the house. By that time, you know so much about them that you can really ask questions that they're gonna be willing to answer. And, and, and they're just people. They're, they're, they're just people. And, and you have to come in from the, I'm just people. And it's, and it's that, that building that relationship, uh, with them that's, that's going to take you to that next level. But I mean, there, there's no, there's no uh, checklist of, of how to do this. And, you know, I, I, we work with a lot of engineers and it's like, no, but I, I have to have this conversation in this order. No, just, just enjoy the conversation. The other thing is, is when, <clears throat> The, the people that we're dealing with, the people that we're dealing with don't necessarily want to sell their house. Most of the time they have, they have a specific problem that, that they need solved. And that's, and that's why we are able to buy houses, land, whatever we're buying. That's why we're allowed to buy it at a discount. Um, is, is you just listen to them and they're going to tell you what their hot buttons are. They're going to tell you what their specific, um, their specific things that they want to accomplish. And you, if you solve those problems, you're going to get a great deal. Um, I don't, uh, I was telling Michael this story on Saturday evening. Um, the guy that I bought my house from, um, lives in a mansion in Aspen very well very wealthy guy um he's a real estate investor um but i bought uh, the house that i live in from him uh sub two with no money down just because i solved a specific problem um last week i got a uh a letter addressed to him at my house but it was certified mail and i get junk mail for him from time to time but this was certified so i took a picture of it and uh he said just open it up and, and tell me what's on the first page. So I took a picture of it and, uh, he had a storage, he had an RV in storage in Houston. All right. Uh, and the RV, uh, storage facility is closing down. Uh, so he said, yeah, I've been meaning to sell that anyways. And, uh, I just said, you know, I know people that buy and sell stuff. Uh, do you, do you know what you want? He said, honestly, it's an RV. I know I'm going to take a bath on it. I just want to get rid of it. Okay. Did some basic due diligence. Um, the RV, I, I got the, the, the details on it. The RV was about 90 grand new. Um, the best I could tell if I was going to buy something like that at a dealership, would it was going to be 40 grand. We offered him $15,000 and he was grateful. 
he was grateful because we were able to solve we were able to solve a problem for him j- j- just within four days he was able to, to solve this thing it wasn't a he wants to get top dollar for it it's a uh he was talking about how when he flies back to uh to aspen he doesn't like to mess with all the covid regulations so he charters a jet um it's a and and it cost more to charter a jet to aspen than than what he sold the rv for so it was just a but he told me his problem because i let him talk via via text message was all that it was but it's a when, when we let people talk and just work through, you know, what are their issues? That's where we get that's where we get our best real estate deals is because we get the we get the information on how to solve very specific problems when we're in it, when we're in a competitive market, which I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Texas is a little bit of a competitive market when it comes to, to real estate. Um, that's that's the way we set ourselves apart. Um, you, if, if you want to find somebody to buy your house at a discount, open your front door and throw a rock, you're going to hit somebody. Um, but they're going to work with the people that they have that relationship with. Um, one of the uh, one of the exercises that I do when we have workshops live and in person. Hopefully we get to do that again one day. Um, and, and it's just a, kind of a, a fun game where I tell people, Hey, go find somebody that you've never talked to. And I give them 30 seconds and it's find something that you have in common with the, with, with the person in 30 seconds. And then I always say, it can't be that you're a real estate investor. All right. And when, and, and I mean, it's, it's fun. And I tell them it's 30 seconds, but I'm not getting that. I'm not getting that turned down in under two or three minutes just because they have so much fun doing it. Um, and, and normally you're, you're in a conference room. This even works via zoom of finding things that you have in common with people. Um, and when, when we kind of get back together, it's, a. Uh, this is this is my new best friend Michael. We had this in common. We had this in common. We had this in common, and and uh, and they love it. And then one of the things that I always do is, you know, is there anybody that didn't find anything in common? And I've been doing this for five or six years. And one time, one time I had uh, somebody. We didn't find anything in common. And I said, all right, everybody, we're going to have some fun. And I had a stopwatch on my, on my watch. And I started it. I said, tell me about your family. Tell me about your family. It took less than seven seconds or, uh, to, to find the first thing that they had in common. Uh, in under a minute, I was able to find 12 things that they had in common. Um, now that's, that's not a, a, an exercise you want to play with a homeowner quick. Tell me stuff that you have in common with me. Ready? Go. That, that you, that, that's not going to work. But you know, one of the things that the, the takeaways from that exercise I know is one thing. we both want the house they're in. Exactly. We have that. We have that in common. Uh, but one of the things that I love about that exercise is, you know, if you're, if, if you're looking for that opportunity, if you're looking for that opportunity, you're going to find something in common. Uh, especially if you're in somebody's living room, if, if you can find what they have in common, uh, I, I mean, 
you you can start that conversation and it and it can be genuine it it, it has to be genuine don't don't fake it if you're um uh, so one of the ones that I go to a lot is golf. Um, and this is, this isn't homeowners more. This is, uh, dealing with, with investors is I, I don't like playing golf. I am not a fan of golf. It takes a really long time. It, 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 I just get bored. I'm too ADD to play golf. Um, Michael would be entertained because he would be playing with the grass the whole time. That's right. But now I do, I do play golf and in general of somebody, when, when I talk about golf, um, when, when I meet somebody that's a golfer, I say, you know what? I'm not that much of a golfer, but I like to drink whiskey, smoke cigars and drive around in the golf cart. I'll do that with you. And, and it's a, even though we don't have that specific thing in common, we're able, we're able to, to bring that in. Um, uh, so find the things that you have in common, find the things that, that other people, uh, are, are passionate about that they find that are, that's important. So, um, I think there's an extra step to that, Brent, you know, Julie, my wife, she teases me cause she's like, you know, like the most useless things, but I purposely do that on purpose. And I, 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 proper English. Um, <laughs> It's, it's a little bit of like, I force my stuff self to know enough about stuff that I couldn't care less about because it always allows me to start conversations. I'll give you an example. I don't like bourbon, but I saw a headline the other day. It said top 10 bourbons of 2021. And you know what? All I did was go and look and remember two of the brands on there because a lot of people like bourbon. Next time I'm in a setting, if bourbon comes up, all I have to say is, oh, you know, I hear that uh, the McKenna one, uh, Williams McKenna, I I hear that's a pretty good one. I don't need to say anything more. They're going to keep talking. Uh, I used to go to France in business all the time and I was talking to a guy over there. It was, it was, he was like an engineer and it was like this. We just could not give no personality. We couldn't connect. Nice guy. We just, it was the most awkward conversation. And then it, it, I said, well, where are you from? Because we were in, in, in the French Riviera area and he told me where. I said, oh, isn't that where Elp Duez is? Where the, where the, uh, um, the Tour de France, uh, France they ride through? His face lit up. He went on for 10 minutes about it and about growing up and watching it. And somehow everything magically clicked after that. Guys, I, I'm not bragging. I'm not good at this stuff. My point is you, just a little bit of effort and, and it will take care of itself. I, and I'm guilty of this and my wife will tell you all the time, but just like everybody else, you want to know what my favorite topic is? Me. That, that, that's my favorite topic. Let, let's just be real honest. We all have um, that. Yeah. Th- but I mean, th- that's the, that's what this human nature is. But, um, like Michael, um, and Michael didn't use these words, but I'm going to use it because I'm going to describe it uh, myself and Michael. We're both nerds. We like to learn. We're, we're genuinely inquisitive people. Um, so allowing people to, uh, allowing people to, um, uh, discuss themselves. That's, that's what takes it, uh, to the next level. There's a, I, I use this example all the time. So I really need to do, uh, some research and find out who this is, but it was, uh, uh, Robert Greene talks about it in his book, uh, 48 Laws of Power, 
Um, Robert Greene was one of the, the first authors we read in, in uh, book club, a different book. But anyways, there was a, uh, it was talking about the court society in, uh, in England. And there was the most eligible bachelorette was being courted by two of the most eligible bachelors of the, of the time. And, uh, she went according. I don't, I don't know what, what you do when you're courting. I feel like riding horses or hunting foxes is something that you do when you court. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you'd probably compare wigs. Probably. Probably. Um, but the, the first person, I think I entertained uh, one. I like watching his reaction to my comments. <laughs> I, I, I am, I'm getting a kick out of today's conversation. <laughs> I guess I could see, I could see you in a wig, Michael, though, you know? Yeah. Hey, you know what? I am so aerodynamic. I get better gas mileage this way. I think I can run at least three miles an hour now rather than my normal 2.5 with my short legs. Yeah, but if you, why, why, when you got that $17,000 lawnmower, it cuts the grass at one turn. Dude, I'll tell you what, that thing, that thing, if that, you, if that thing catches you, you're, you're done. You're mincemeat. <laughs> I, I thought you shaved your head so that you could go play, go play basketball in the Philippines. Hey, you know, don't don't trample on my dreams there, uh, Mr. Brent. You know, not all of us are six foot three. Um, anyways, so uh, this bachelorette, uh, after her first courting session with, with the first uh, with the first uh, uh, courtesan, uh, she said he was the most interesting person that I have ever met. Okay, then the next person that she went on a date on, of him, she said, he made me feel as if I was the most interesting person that he had ever met. And, and that was the one that was, that was the most, the one that they were drawn to. When uh, Dale Carnegie talked about going to the, to the dinner club and talking to the botanist, um, the, the botanist, he didn't even get a chance to talk. And, uh, and the, uh, uh, and the botanist gave him all kinds of compliments to the host of the dinner party about, uh, how interesting he was. Um, the, I, I don't remember. It might've been in, in the, the Latin chapter six of this section. Uh, I, uh, I'm calling an audible and, uh, I think that it's probably going to be good to just wrap up this section because the last three sections in this chapter all kind of go together anyways. Uh, and then we can move on to the next section for, for next week. Um, but make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Uh, Dale Carnegie met a woman who had just, uh, traveled to Africa and, uh, and he said, Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. I I'm curious. Did you go to this part of it? And just let her go on and talk about whatever her experience was. Um, and again, it was, uh, just a huge, huge way, uh, to, to build relationships. So, um, Phil talks about, uh, one of, one of his, his deals, um, where there was this, this old man with, uh, that needed to sell his house and he was talking to the old man and, um, you know, the old man was just kind of ho-hum and then, uh, the old man had a dog and Phil said, tell, tell me about your dog. Uh, and he goes, Oh my gosh, this is the best dog I've ever had. He's been through this with me. He's been through that with me. 
I just don't know what I'm going to do because I'm losing my house to foreclosure and I, I the, the apartment I'm moving into, I can't take my dog. I don't know what I'm going to be able to do with my dog, but this is just the best dog ever. And Phil says, you know, I've, I've got a, I know, I know somebody that's got, you know, some farmland where they can, you know, take, and they, they take dogs in and, you know, the dog can go run around and chase cows and swim in the pond and do whatever the dog, whatever dogs want to do. And by getting in, letting that person tell their story and being genuinely interested in what that person was looking for, he was able to buy that house because he solved the specific problem of finding a place for the dog to stay. Um, and, and it's, uh, uh, it's really Carnegie brings up the, the golden rule and the, the golden rule exists in, in pretty much every, every religion and every society, um, said different ways in different societies, but the, the golden rule, uh, uh, that, that, Christ talks about is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, and, and that just really carries through one of, I, I saw a recent iteration in this in a meme and it was, uh, treat other people the way that the drive through attendants at Chick-fil-A treat you. Um, so I, I think that that's, that might be a, a good modern translation, uh, of, of the going. Yeah. And I'll go one step further. I actually think that that doesn't apply anymore. I would prefer the way I want to be treated is honest and talk, talked to straightforwardly and intelligently. And I think there's a large segment that can't handle that without shriveling up and crying. So I would, I would alter that. I'm trying to be serious. I'm not trying to take any cheap shots here. Guys, if I treat somebody the way I want to be treated, they're going to be left crying. Um, most people yeah. can't deal with an honest two-way conversation and an opinion that may be different than theirs. So people the way they want to be treated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It, it, it is, it is how, how, how it's, you have to find out how they want to be treated. Right. It's go, going back to the, to the listening part. And I think this is one of the things, and, and I always like to use myself as an example. When I, when I was, a. Uh, when I was really new at this, um, I, it was almost like I wasn't listening. I always just waited to talk. You know, it was just waiting to talk, so I wasn't really I listening. That. So whenever, so whenever I said something, either I offended or they realized, did you not hear what I just said? And 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 I started to catch myself. And I think that's one of those things that we really, really have to practice on is going and 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 listening and not and not waiting to talk listen and and hear what they have to say because sometimes they will give you that nugget and if they don't that's okay you can ask another question but i think sometimes we really want to as new investors i think it's it's real problematic that we want to rush through a conversation to get to that deal that that we fail to to, to listen and, and so I think that's one of those things that we really have to practice and especially as newbies. But I agree with Michael, it, it is one of those things that I got really thick skin. I, I, growing up, I, you, you had to. And, and, and so sometimes when, if I, if I treat people, I want people to be, I, whenever I email people, I say, hey, here's my stuff, be bluntly honest. It doesn't help me if you're not. And so if I treat people that way, I'm going to offend them really, really quickly. So I, so I really try to listen and see how I can treat them the way they want to be treated. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. Oh, I'm sorry, Brent. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, so 
Juan said something really interesting of, you know, as investors, we really want to try to rush through this conversation and get to let's, let's buy the house. How much time did you spend to get the appointment? <laughs> Take the time in the appointment. Conversation doesn't, it's, it's not ping pong. It, it doesn't right. have instantaneous. Take the time, actively listen, pause right. a moment, and think about you. Don't think about your response while they're talking. Right. Listen to what they have to say, take the time to process it, and then respond. Yeah, and I, and I think I think as as, as new investors, and, and I always like to use the word we because, like I said, I was there. I, I I always wanted to have a response. Like it's all like it's almost like I felt like I needed to have the response right away, or they were going to think I don't know what I'm talking about. And as I got more and more comfortable, like I got more comfortable in that silence where, like, let me let me take in what they're saying, and if I don't have the right answer, I'll just say, you know what. Let me look into that and see how I can approach, how I can, how I can work that out for you. Uh, but I, it, it's okay to to not have that response. And and too many times I was, like I said, I was in a rush. I'm a lot better about it now. So, you know, it's you interesting. Know, One of the, the, the the books that I'm reading right now that is really beneficial to me um, is that one of my best features and one of my biggest detriments. Uh, is that I always operate three steps ahead of where we're at. I've already figured out 10 different ways to Sunday, which is an amazing asset. It's also an amazing handicap. You gotta force yourself to stop and listen, things of that nature. To your point, Juan, I can go into a such situation, I can see it as clear as day, while other people are still formulating it. I already right. see the way to make it happen. And I'm like, come on, people, aren't you operating at the speed of light like me? Let's just make it happen, which, right. again, you know, but I, one of the books I'm reading now, it's called Unseen Warfare. And um, it, 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 it's, it's more on the religious side. It was written by a saint about 500 years ago. But he talks about, one of the biggest takeaways for me is that he talks about in the way that you can be a better person in the way you can handle situations better. And I'm gonna paraphrase this because it took him about 150 pages to say this is to I'm not listening don't keep is, is to separate the emotion in the heart from the head and when you operate with the emotion in the heart that's what gets you in trouble and leads you down the wrong path and i'm going to tell you i did something today for the first time and i am so and i know i'm supposed to not have vainglory and i know i'm not supposed to be proudful and prideful and all that and i'm not saying it like that i'm saying because i actually listened to the book and you know somebody cut me off today and i gotta tell you in the car you know from boston we have ways of dealing with people like that that's all i'm gonna say all right i mean you have to understand growing up in boston using a blinker was considered giving secrets to the enemy Okay. For very good reason. Um, but I actually imagined Archangel Michael taking the sword and cutting that string from going to the heart, to the head of how I was going to react. And you know what? I did something. I, I was like, I just let it go. And I was like, holy crap. This is what it feels like to be almost a normal person. That's, you know, not ready to take over the world. So I think as investors and as people that are listening and as people that are, that's you, you need to find the way that works best for you to figure out how to do that. That's a way that works best for me.
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's a, uh, it, it's taking that ability to, to slow down, to cut that, to, to avoid some of the, uh, emotion, some of the anger, um, especially when we're dealing with inbound phone calls, we get a lot of angry people. Yeah. It's just a take, take a deep breath. The other thing. So another thing with this is, um, uh, it is in knowing who we're dealing with, they're going through the worst thing that they've ever gone through. And we have to have that level of empathy when, when we're dealing with, with the people that were, you know, buying their houses, uh, and, and, and what they're, what they're going through. Um, you know, the other thing is, and this goes back to appeal to their own self-interest. You know, if we're not talking to homeowners, maybe we're, maybe we're talking to a private money lender. Maybe we're talking to a potential investor for a deal. And, you know, we talk about, um, when, whenever I'm talking to a potential investor, I say, you know, what are, what are your investing goals? What are, what are you hoping to achieve with, with your, uh, with your investments? Are you, are, is, is security the most important thing to you? Is return the most important thing to you? You know, of course, we're only going to do safe deals that have a, a good return, but you know, is, is, is something that you're going to have, uh, a stated return and know exactly what you're going to get. Uh, really important. Are you willing to, you know, take on a little bit more risk, not unnecessary risk, um, but maybe a little bit more volatility where you participate in more of the upside. But with that, are you willing to, you know, uh, wait a little bit longer for your return? Are you willing to uh, do something that might be slightly higher risk? So um, a pri- uh, making a private money loan is, is pretty straightforward. Um, it's, it's relatively low risk. It's, uh, as long as you, as long as you do it right. All right. As long as you do it right. A first position lean in, uh, uh, in, uh, a loan is a very secure investment. Doing a land development deal is a very unsecure investment because there's, there's nothing there but dirt. Uh, and if you have to foreclose on the dirt, there's, nothing there but dirt and you have to know how to, to do the development aspect but when you invest in you know uh, a, a land deal or a development deal because you're taking on more of that risk uh, there's there's more potential reward down the road so you know just what what are you looking for what do you want your business to look like what uh, how, how can I help you um, we do in a not COVID world and a pre COVID world, hopefully in a post COVID world, we do a lot of networking. We do a lot of networking. And when I'm networking, my favorite thing to ask is what can I do to help you grow your business? That, that is that single line has made me more money than anything else. What can I do to help you grow your business? Um, I end almost every conversation I have with, is there anything holding you back? Is there anything that I can help out with? Um, and I, I just want to interrupt, but if, if nothing else, that's, that's that one statement that you just made is, is the, I guess the most important lesson that I learned 
early on, and I hear and I've heard you and Michael repeat it over and over in the book club, it, it, is that is how can I serve you? And, and whoever I'm asking, whether it's the person I'm trying to buy a house from or somebody who's got a ton more experience, is I offer something to them first before I ask anything of, of them. And and I think when I go in with that mindset, it, it does keep, and then going, we talked about it last week as well, it's about that gratitude, just being grateful for being in that position. Uh, it really does put me in a, in a much more open to, um, to, to help one, but to, to, to receive. Absolutely. And, and, and part of this is look at it, look at it from both ends. When, when somebody comes to you and they just want something from you, how enthused are you to talk to them? If they open up with, Hey, I'm, I, I need this. This is, um, yeah, no, I, uh, no, I'm not interested, but I mean, Talk, talk to me about, you know, what's so, um, to, I, so one of the things that one of my roles, one of the hats that I wear is I'm a coach. If I have a coaching student, I want them to ask me questions like that. That is our relationship. So that, that just, uh, I am a coach. I, I do coaching because I like it. I enjoy coaching, um, outside of a coaching relationship. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, what's, what's in it for me. Um, so I, uh, I had somebody, um, call me out of the blue that I don't, I don't know how they got my phone number. So I'll, I'll be very honest. I don't know how they got my phone number. Um, but they called me, Hey, you know, I just wanted to, you know, pick your brain about storage units and I want to get into the, into storage units and, you know, just, just had a bunch of questions. So wanted to, uh, just talk to you about story and, and it's kind of a, um, I get it. I, I get the, I get what you're looking for, but, uh, and, and, and again, this is, this is me being vain and this is, this is me saying this, this is me being honest of I'm on being on the opposite end, the receiving end of somebody wanting something from you come to me and say, Hey, you know, I've got this lead on the storage facility. Um, I'd love to partner with you or Hey Brent, you know, I've got some money in a self-directed IRA. Um, I'd love to learn more about, uh, storage facilities. I'd love to invest in one of your facilities and I'd love, I'd love to learn about it. Not a, Hey, just teach me how to be your competition in, in a very, very small end. So residential real estate, there's more houses than any of us can buy. There, there, there are more houses, I mean, maybe within a I, challenge accepted. All right. You get into the commercial space that there's a finite number of opportunities. That's not, that's not something where I just want to, you know, teach you all of my trade secrets and, and, you know, set you out on, on that particular industry. But, uh, th there's just a better way to, to approach instead of, Hey, I want to, I want this for you. Uh, are from you. Uh, so that, that's something to, to consider. And then one other thing from the book, it went a different direction than I thought it was going to go. So he was uh, one the, there was a person that was very involved in the Boy Scouts and he wanted to get a donation for the Boy Scouts. Initially, when they brought up the, the, the Boy Scouts a charity, I thought it was going to go in a different direction. If you can find out, if you're looking for something from someone, 
Um, th this is less homeowners and, and more maybe investors or someone you'd like to develop a business relationship with. Find out what charities they work with and find out, ask about how can you support that charity or, or just ask about that charity. Um, so I, I was a Boy Scout. I, I'm not actively involved in, uh, in scouting right now just because there's lots of weird tendencies about single guys without kids being involved in Boy Scouts. Um, and as much as I'd love to volunteer with the organization, I think it's an incredible organization. Um, it's not something that I volunteer with currently. Um, uh, but for me, agricultural education is very, is something that I'm passionate about. And if somebody will, wants to talk to me about, uh, finding ways to help kids get, uh, into trade schools and getting trade schools and stuff paid for, that is something that I'm passionate about. And if somebody approached me with, Hey, you know, is there a way that we could support this? I'm, it, it's going to, I'm going to be a lot more receptive and it, it's kind of, it's the, uh, Cialdini's six principles of influence. Um, the, the first one, uh, that he talks about is reciprocity. If we find a way to help somebody else out, they feel indebted to us. Um, but I don't, I don't know something real quick before we run out of time. Yeah. On the customer service aspect with, uh, what was it? It was, uh, the example that they gave on the store. Mm -hmm. Um, Guys, I don't know if you noticed, but I launched a completely new redesigned website last week. And I'll tell you why I did it. I had on Carrot, and they'd been kind of irking me lately. I We had our business card number had been hacked, so we got a new business card. So I thought I switched over everybody. There were a couple of companies I forgot to switch over. You know, they send you the, hey, Michael, we noticed there's a problem with the card. Can you update your number? And we update all their numbers on carrot with no notice decided that she shut down my website i've been with them for years never had a problem so i reached out to them and i said did you think maybe you should notify me that there was a problem with the card oh we can't do that um because it's just too difficult and it's against you know email laws now guys I oversaw email marketing for multinationals worldwide. I know email laws. And you mean to tell me that every other company in the world that lets you know that there's a problem with your credit card is violating email law? They're not. They're just too whatever it is. So I was so annoyed with that answer and the way they treated me. In the span of six days, I researched, picked a new hosting company, picked a new web platform, installed it, built from scratch a completely new website, and launched it and I canceled my carrot account. I would never have done that if their customer service didn't tick me off. <clears throat> and I'm paying one fifth now what I was before. Yep. It's uh, uh, so Carl Sewell uh, wrote a book uh, called Customers for Life. Uh, and uh, Sewell is a look of, uh, a, a chain of luxury car dealerships and their whole tenet is uh, business philosophy is it's easier to keep a customer happy than it is to get a, to, than it is to get a new customer. Um, I live in Houston. I still go to San Antonio when I buy cars, unless it's an RV and I get a really good deal on it. Um, you go to storage units for those. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, yeah, it's, it, it's all about, maintaining building relationships and, and maintaining relationships. Uh, I don't, I don't know. 
I, I think we took the principles and really talked about the principles from the book. Uh, if you haven't read, highly recommend uh, reading the chapters. Um, I don't know if we're going to have time to, to really open it up today. Uh, but one thing looking forward in the book um, is uh, the next section, part three is 12 mini sections uh let's break let's break section three into two parts okay so let's let's read part let's do parts one through six um uh next week for that all right that's noted so all right um, looks like we're running out of time unfortunately um how about let's just have all our interaction and sharing next week so just to verify We're going to start with chap- well, part three next week, chapters one to six. All right. Correct. So, but if you don't have the book, no worries, because I'll be here to walk you through the highlights of the featured chapters. And I think that's it for now. So thank you so much for being here today. And we look forward to seeing um, you next week for another episode of Successful Habits Book Club. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you, Brett, Michael, and Juan. Later, guys. Yeah. Thank you for coming, David, Israel, June, Larry, Stephen, and Zoran. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs>